Welcome back into the Legal Innovators Interview Series. I'm your host, Craig Mills, a shareholder of Buchanan, Ingersoll, and Rooney, and the co-chair of the firm's litigation section. On this show, we talk to general counsel from around the country who are leading the way within their organizations. On our last show, we spoke with John Hall, the general counsel of a flourishing international sporting goods and outdoor products manufacturer. Today, we're going to turn things in a different direction and go into the financial services sector. Our guest today is Ann Robinson. She's the general counsel and managing director of legal and compliance at Vanguard, one of the world's largest investment management companies. She's been in this role for just about six months now. Previously, Ann was managing director and general counsel for global cards and consumer services at Citi and in various legal positions with American Express. She began her career in private practice and also spent some time with Deloitte. Ann, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. We appreciate you taking time out of what is a busy and still somewhat new position in order to answer some of our questions and help the listeners learn more about you and how you got to where you are today. So let me ask you just to start off. What have your first few months at Vanguard been like? Where have you been focusing your efforts? So the first few months have been absolutely fantastic. This is a really terrific company. Um, I think uh, the key area of focus for me since I have arrived has been to spend as much time with the people here as possible. So focusing on getting to know as many people um, as possible has been my primary focus in the early days. And, and, and it has not been a disappointing experience. The people here are fantastic. And they propel the company in the ways that make it so dynamic and made it such an appealing firm to join. Give us a sense of the scope of, of this, the task of getting to know the people with whom you're working. I mean, about how many people are you touching in terms of reports coming into you and then you reporting up? Yeah, so Vanguard has about 15,000 employees in general, globally. Um, my team of legal and compliance is about 300. And, um, and I've actually been really thoughtful about um, a, a path and a plan to get to know people. So with my, uh, with my team, um, obviously starting with my direct reports, making sure that I had um, a good cadence and opportunity to get to know them, their crew, and what they're working on. I've had um, all-hands meetings where I have um, been able to connect with the broader organization, to contrast with my one-on-ones. We've had a number of uh, meetings with uh, the legal department and the compliance department separately so that I could really dig into those two organizations uh, that operating independently of one another. I've also uh, made it a point to spend time with uh, leadership, my peers. So making sure that I have relationships with my partners at, um, at the table. And that has also been a balance of spending time with them in one-on-one meetings, spending time with their team, um, and getting out to meet their people. It seems to me that that's a wise investment of your time when you first arrive at a new position like that, to invest time in relationships. Has is that, is that been your experience, or is that, is that the goal here? Um, so it's, uh, I, it's been my approach everywhere I go. And uh, I think another, another um, point of note uh, is that, you know, Vanguard is a global organization, and so one of the things that I committed to do early on was visit all of the, um, all of the different sites. So I've been to our Arizona site. I'm on our way to our North Carolina site next week. Um, I've been to our, our office in Europe, in London, 
um, and I've been to uh, our office in Australia most recently. But getting to know our, um, our, our leaders and my team um, in, their, in their home offices I think is, is important, and I've made a commitment to do that as well. Well, that's, that's something I'd like to follow up on if I could because I think that's something that a number of our listeners have to deal with in, in their own jobs as, as in-house legal counsel, and that's the balance between the impact of appearing personally at these offices that may be around the country or around the world versus your time. How do you, what do you weigh when you make the call as to, yes, I'm going to go to London as opposed to the Skype meeting? Yeah, it's a great question, and I think most global companies um, sort of struggle with striking the right balance between how much of operating globally you need to affect by travel versus um, other means of coordination and communication. For me, it was important early on um, just to make sure that um, as you get to know people that you you do that in the um, most comprehensive way. And so getting on a plane um, uh, was sort of a high-impact, important thing to do because I'm new. How often I will travel to the site um, to be physically present versus present in other ways, um, I think I'll have to figure out what that right balance is um, moving forward. But it was incredibly important to actually be where they are, um, to be seen, to be heard, and to go on what I've really called a listening tour so that I could take in all of the feedback um, to figure out how I want to set my priorities taking into account the perspectives of the business leaders and my crew who, who work in those offices. Understood. Well, with only 15,000 people to worry about all around the world, I'm sure you've got it pretty much wrapped up in the first six months and, and very much under control. <laughs> um, I appreciate your confidence. You've held high-level positions at large and respected financial institutions. What was it about this position at Vanguard that convinced you to, to make the move? And what are some of the similarities, maybe some of the differences you see between the position you hold now as the top legal officer uh, compared to what you did previously? Um, So uh, focusing on the first question, I think that um, Vanguard has such a compelling mission. The overarching commitment to its investors is – you know, it's a part of the brand, so from the outside looking in, it is what Vanguard is known for, and it is an attractive proposition as an investor and as a potential employee. And it's an immediate and a very powerful pull to the organization and, um, and was a big part of my uh, receptivity to the opportunity. Uh, what I would say is that it is every bit a part of the fiber of this organization once you're on the other side and are here as it was perceived from the outside. It drives everything we do and how we do it. And, um, and I would say that that is probably the biggest difference between Vanguard and any place I've ever worked. Vanguard, we know, is, is known, really so I've heard, from promoting people from within. And yet they reached outside of the organization to hire you. Tell us about the pros and cons of coming in from the outside in terms of a fresh outside perspective versus perhaps having to prove yourself all over again to a, a new group of colleagues? Yeah, it's a great question, and I think it's a real testament to an organization like Vanguard that has been so successful consistently for so many years that it has demonstrated a willingness to think about things differently and that part of perhaps the success model is being willing to um, explore new ideas, to being willing to explore change. 
And so I think um, the first thing I would observe is, um, is what a wonderful credit it is to this organization that they were willing to look outside, that they thought that that external perspective might be valuable. For me, um, I think it's a terrific opportunity to join an organization that has been successful, that has such a strong um, uh, employee base of long-tenured people who know the organization. But for me, it's just an opportunity to bring in um, a, a, perhaps a new perspective, but certainly, um, if nothing else, it's, it just validates the notion that it's okay to do it differently and that there are more w ways to do it. And we may do things a little differently, we may do things a lot differently, but I think more importantly that just validating the notion that it's okay to do it differently and that you're really pulling from the widest variety of options at every decision that you make. Well, it sounds like you're making the best of, of that and, and the advantages that you have coming in with an outside perspective, but, but still respecting the institutions that have been proven to work over time. Is that, that fair? Absolutely. One of the things we like to talk about on this show is how the role of the general counsel is evolving and changing over time and talking to the people who are part of that change and making that change happen, of which you are clearly one. I saw an interview you gave a while back where you were quoted as saying that you see your role within your company as that of a business advisor. and I think you used the phrase trusted advisor. Can you tell us a little bit about your approach to establishing those key relationships with an organization that the general counsel needs? Now, we talked about just a few minutes ago the, the importance, as you see it, of having personal contact and high-impact personal visits, particularly at the outset. What else can a general counsel do to establish themselves as someone who their business colleagues can trust and really will come to with a problem rather than letting it perhaps uh, linger on and fester? Yeah, it's a great question, and I think it really is the hallmark of what it means to be a business partner and advisor rather than um, just the chief legal officer. Um, one of the greatest compliments that has ever been paid to me in my career was um, when a business partner said that um, I am a, a trusted business partner um, who happens to be a lawyer. And I think you achieve that by steeping yourself in the business priorities that your partners are, um, are attempting to achieve. It's making sure that you align yourself closely with the business leaders, understanding what their goals are, and waking up in the morning and going to bed, thinking about the same opportunities and challenges that your business partners face every day. And when they feel like you are motivated to solve their problems and enable their opportunities, you wind up finding yourself side by side, um, building trust and growing the business and mitigating risk. And that is how you get there, is standing side by side, completely committed to the same principles. And that... Is that a process that goes on and on for some time? I think that is in terms of being able to look at your colleague's business through their eyes as a business person in a proactive way to get things done as opposed to how we as lawyers sometimes look at it as in a sort of negative, no, you can't do that or we'll get in trouble sort of perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the first thing I would say is that, you know, I, I'm still new, and so the, the, the one thing that you have to do is be patient in the process of building those relationships and building that credibility. So it takes time to actually uh, understand, dig into, um, and own all of those business issues, and I'm still very much in that process. But one of the things that, um, that I talk to my team about um, quite often 
is about establishing that partnership and that alignment because it's what you need to build the credibility with your business partners that you are together trying to get to the right answer. Not trying to get to yes and not always saying no, but together getting to the right answer for the business. And sometimes that answer will be we're going to move forward. Sometimes that answer will be we are going to move things in a different direction or stop this particular um, this this particular path. But it's the process of together getting to the right answer for Vanguard and its investors, um, and that that to me is the ultimate objective. Outstanding. That is that is good advice. Now, and you're a successful, innovative African American business leader. And I guess it was a month or two ago I interviewed a, a highly successful woman with a very similar background. She told me a great story about a life lesson that was instilled in her when she was uh, a, a young child. Uh, he, he sat her down one day when she was about 12, and he said, you're a woman and you're black. That means you're not just going to have to work twice as hard as anybody else around you. You're going to have to work three times as hard, and that's just the way it is. Those are the rules. Now, go out and succeed anyway. No complaints. I don't want to hear any complaints from you. And, of course, she did go out and succeed mightily. How, if at all, does that story resonate with you and, and your background? I think every parent of every little African-American girl in this country has probably said those same words to her at some point in her life. Um, and I certainly heard the, that same uh, direction uh, along the way. So um, so that's not uh, – it's, it's, it resonates. Um, it it uh, is not new, and I do think that it is a, um, a lesson to, to lead you. Um, <clears throat> the one thing that, uh, that I think I also heard um, that helped uh, put a little context to that, though, is, um, is that you, you don't have to do it alone and that you shouldn't do it alone, and that even if you're working um, harder than anyone else, um, work together. And I've had a lot of support and a lot of help along the way, and I think I've sometimes been more surprised than I should be, should have been to receive to receive it. And so that's one of the things that um, I would add to that is um, is to to be receptive to and ask for support and help when and where you need it. The flip of that, I think, on the other side of, um, of, of accomplishment is the responsibility to provide that support and assistance where it's needed. And so I feel, um, I feel very committed to making sure that um, women who are working twice or three times as hard um, have my help in turning that into achievement. And that's something I've it's, – it's an image that comes to mind in, in reading some of the things you've done, not only in seeking uh, mentorship in your career, but also giving it to those behind you. You get an image of somebody on the stairs who has their hand up above them, you know, looking for help and guidance from the people above them, but also has their hand back down the stairs to help up the people who are along behind them. How important to you is that? Incredibly. Incredibly. It is um, – it is it – is, uh, it is not just a profound responsibility, but it is a privilege to be able to pull women along with you on your journey. It's a privilege, and I don't think I would I don't think I would enjoy or appreciate any measure of my success if I didn't feel like I could use it to help other women along the way. 
Well, speaking about helping uh, those behind you to follow your path, uh, there are any number of people listening to this or will be listening to this podcast who would love to be Ann Robinson one day, and I'm one of them. Um, but I'm afraid that time for that is probably past. Uh, anyone <laughs> you have who... no idea. <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give to a young attorney out there listening to this broadcast who aspires to be a general counsel? What should they be doing now to prepare them to do the job that you are doing and do it well? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, there are two elements uh, that I think I, are, are incredibly important. Um, the first is from a skill and competency perspective. It's focusing on the journey. Um, a lot of people who have as an aspiration becoming the general counsel, they focus on achievement in a very um, upward fashion. And it's about the next role. It's about the next title. It's about a very lockstep upward path to GC. And there was a point in my career where I pivoted and I started focusing on my career as one of how do I build the skills needed to actually be a GC. And that path involved moving around instead of upward. It was very focused on if you're going to do the job, you need to learn how to do this. And I focused on the learning process versus the promotion process. And what you'll find as part of the search for a good general counsel is that people are really focused on whether and the degree to which you actually know how to do that job. And it is not necessarily the case that you have to be sitting in the job to know how to do that. You can acquire the skills needed to be successful in this job and not be sitting in it by taking a step here for two years, a step here for two years, adding incremental responsibility, or just defining your job in role, in your current role, more broadly than it is um, on paper defined, and acquiring the skills. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is just um, focusing on relationships. Uh, in a general counsel seat, you have a CEO, you have a board, you have your peers on senior staff, and then you'll undoubtedly have a, a team of professionals who look to you for leadership. And so focusing on how to modulate the process of building relationships in those different categories is actually a skill that you learn over time, and you, you should probably focus on it in each position that gives you an opportunity to interface with that group of people. That is really interesting, particularly the first part. I mean, I think I've asked that. I couldn't tell you how many times I've asked that question. You know, what advice would you give to, to a young person who aspires to your position? But the idea of looking around before you look up is something I've never really heard before. But obviously, it's worked very, very well for you. It's that competency within the industry people are looking for uh, as as a core competence for a general counsel. Yes, um, and I think I, I I saw the greatest growth in my career when I started focusing on. Um, on the skills versus the position. So I, if, I, if you need to learn how to manage the board, if you need to learn how to uh, manage a large team, if you need to learn how to uh, align yourself with peers at a senior level, focusing on that versus focusing on being the GC. Being the GC is all of those things. And so taking each individual component 
and focusing on really mastering the skills in that component and then moving on. And then when you're interviewing and you get the questions around how would you do this, you can answer that from experience. You don't have to be sitting in the seat to have developed the core sets of competencies needed to fill it. That is a great perspective and, and one I think would be very valuable to our listeners. And I would try to apply it myself, but again, it's, I think it's really too late for me. But this show wasn't about me. <laughs> We're getting close to the end of our time, and so I'd like to wrap things up as we typically do on this show uh, with a, a quick session called In Closing. And if, if you're up to the, the challenge, I'd like to shoot a number of questions at you in relatively rapid-fire style and get your quick and candid response. Is that okay? Okay. All right. Finish this sentence for me. Most of my success today has been due primarily to my what? Parents. <laughs> <laughs> Good one-word answer, and one with this. I think a lot of our people would uh, agree. If you weren't a lawyer, what would you have done? What career have you chosen? I would have been a doctor. <laughs> Healing. It's a, and it's a bit of an unusual one, but my, my both of my parents were lawyers, <laughs> to, to give some context to my prior answer. Um, both of my parents were lawyers, and I was the oldest uh, of, of their offspring, and um, I was expected to be a lawyer. And I love it, but um, I, I had an early passion for, for science, and if, uh, if, if not otherwise steered, probably would have self-selected into a career in medicine. Well, you're a jurist doctor anyway, but that probably wouldn't get you very far in an emergency room. <laughs> that does not get me in the operating room, <laughs> unless I'm a patient. Okay, next question. It's a sunny Sunday morning in June, and for once, you have the day to yourself. Where are we going to find Ann Robinson, and what is she doing? I'm on the tennis court. Nice. Um, same question, only now it's Saturday night, and it's November. I wouldn't know what to do with myself with a Saturday <laughs> night in November all to myself. I have a 10-year-old daughter, so... Um, uh, I may very well be back on the tennis court. <laughs> <laughs> Under the lights. Okay. Under La the lights. Last one. Name someone in law or in business that you have not worked with but that who you really admire. Um, I think I would probably say here Ursula Burns, who I didn't actually work with um, while I was at American Express, although she was on the board, but I had enough proximity to her to be quite inspired. And what was it about her that was inspiring? Yeah, I think her story, her background is um, is just it's it's phenomenal. So she's defied so many um, odds uh, around you know what people say about women in particular industries. So to you know be um, to have an engineering background, to have succeeded at um, at a company like Xerox, um, being a homegrown CEO, I think are just phenomenal and fairly exceptional. Um, characteristics of a career for a woman, uh, having worked her way up, and then just having enough of a proximity to appreciate both um, the dynamic, dynamic presence that she has, um, commanding, uh, you know, leaders in, in industry. I mean, she was just a really um, powerful presence uh, as an Amex board member. She's a powerful presence in any room she's in, but she is the most grounded. Um, individual. I mean, just really, really, really down to earth and grounded, and and navigates life with a a sense of um, discipline and humility. That uh, for someone who has achieved what she has achieved is um, is really, really, really inspiring. 
That is terrific. And think, speaking of, of engineers and commanding presence, uh, the man behind the glass is waving flags at me and telling me that we're out of time. And so I would like to thank you so much for coming on the show today and giving us the benefit of your time and the journey on which you've traveled. Good luck with the remainder of it. And with that, we'll wrap up this edition of the Legal Innovators Interview Series. Be sure to join us the next time. Until then, I'm your host, Craig Mills, a shareholder at Buchanan, Ingersoll, and Rooney, thanking Ann Robinson one more time for her generous use of her time and advice. I'm Craig Mills. Thanks for listening.